Purchase a Ford Fans on All-You-Can-Eat ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as $37 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fans on All-You-Can-Eat tickets now. David Locke joins us now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. David, good morning. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Are you are you ready? Back to back home games and then an Eastern road trip. Ready, go. We're into the meat of the season. Have, Forget the warm up acts. I think we have something like eleven eleven straight days of a game we're playing flight. Nice, somewhat self imposed because we're not um, flying after games uh, on the road. We're staying and then flying the next day. Oh, better for the sleep and all that. They've uh, they've been tracking I that. Guess. I guess. I just I don't get some of this stuff, but. You know what? I'm not a sleep doctor. I love my favorite line is, I'll listen to the whole sleep thing when it comes from someone who's not called a sleep doctor because the sleep doctor that tells me sleep is not that important doesn't have a job. Um, and I don't like to sleep, so I don't really like it when they tell me I'm supposed to sleep. Um, but I I actually don't know. I, I like wonder on, so it's better to sleep, I guess. And the concern is, you know, these guys fly, they get in the city and they turn on a device and then they're up all night. Um even if you get in late and then they don't get a good sleep. I do wonder on the impact of sitting on a plane and that's kind of known as actually medically of having a pretty big impact on you every time you get on a plane of dehydrating, aging, all those kind of things. So I wonder, you know, are you better off having not been on a plane for two days before you jump on a, on a basketball court compared to sleeping? I, I don't know. I just sometimes wonder on all these things, whether, you know, we're making a decision because of one part of the equation, not the whole equation, but, that's probably silly for me to worry about considering how much the jazz dig into this stuff. And I'm probably talking more about the NBA as a whole than the jazz specifically, because the jazz specifically work amazingly hard to have a elite level medical staff and, and work on these various things. It started with bringing Mike Elliott over and assistant general manager, David Morway oversees a lot of it. So I mean, these guys really work amazingly hard at this stuff. So I would say that there's, I'm sure they've looked at all of the components to it. I just, I just think it's really interesting how much, you know, it's the same thing as load management seems like the Jazz aren't shooting around today. Well, that's load management. Like, why does load management always have to be on the game? And um, I just don't understand some – I don't mean to sound like I'm old school. In fact, I'm probably not, but I just don't understand some of the, some of the aspects of, of what m- moves the meter more than others. I think as the season goes, you know, there's different storylines to take over. And while some people worry about the travel and how many plane trips and all that, I think for a lot of Jazz fans early in the year, it's like, oh, what about Mike Conley? And now I think it's, oh, what about the bench? Uh, before we get to the bench, Mike Conley's numbers, while not exactly where a lot of people want him, have they trended well enough in the ballpark that it's clear he is getting comfortable, things are getting better, and there really are other things to worry about? Are we there yet, or are you still a little worried about it? Uh, it's more a visual. Actually, with Mike, I mean, I think there are some numbers that you can see, particularly the no turnovers the other night, that show he's, he's beginning to under- feel more comfortable. It's more watching him play it, but jumps to me and, and watching him actually in practice and seeing what he's doing in practice to try to understand um, what is needed and, and what the team needs. So, I mean, he's been over 15 points for, I think, nine straight games or eight straight games at this point. So he's getting the scoring opportunities um, and, is, and is contributing in that manner. I think his shooting percentage over the last five or six is just is kind of average. Um, 
but he's averaging 17 points a game in that span. So that you can see is coming around. Um, but to me, it's more of just watching him play that he's, he has a feel and a vibe for what we're doing. And he's, you know, trying his post game interview with me the other night. I thought was really, really interesting where he said, you know, it's been hump. Like I said, like, is it invigorating or frustrating that like you're 13, 12 years into your career and trying something, have to try something new. And he said, it's been really humbling. You know, you think you've, you've been good enough, you think you have it figured out, and then you find out that, like, well, here's a team that needs me to do something different than I've ever done before. Um, the thing that I talk about the most is the, what's called the Nash dribble, which is uh, when you when you take the dribble from either the right or the left side and you come down the baseline and end up on the other side, which is Steve Nash kind of did a lot of. I'm sure other people did too, but um, it, it flips the defense. It also prevents you from getting caught in the um, it gets you caught in the um, uh, I'm trying to think of what that's called I don't really have a name for it but you know deep post area where two bigs are suddenly surrounding him and he's making a decision it lets him make his decision back on the other side David Locke joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. So I'm not going to be as worried about uh, Conley then I'm going to worry about the bench because you've know, you got to be worried about something unless they have a 20-game win streak. The bench performance. Um, well, it I, was, think, I mean, I think that there's a point where, for the last few years, we've had this incredible kind of what I would call three through twelve depth. Um, we probably weren't good enough one and two, um, and then that showed in the playoffs. And we so we had this great three through twelve depth where when anybody got hurt, someone else stepped in. It was really really good. Um, we don't have that, and that's part of having a thirty million dollar point guard and having a thirty million dollar center. Is you just yep. don't have those things anymore. Um, you know, they've taken a few interesting projects to try to see what they can do um, and, and make some inroads, trying to, you know, with the Ed Davis injury, then Tony Bradley had an opportunity, and um, you're taking Emmanuel Moutier, who has, you know, top 10 pick, who's shown signs and development uh, in New York, and now you're giving him an opportunity here to try to do the same, and, and frankly, thus far has been probably um, pretty encouraging. Overall, uh, he didn't have a great game the other night, and you know his game is not necessarily one that matches exactly what the Jazz do. Um, and so I think it's an adaptation to watch. I mean, there's times when he brings the ball down, just beats this guy and lays it up and in. And I'm so used to Jazz basketball, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I like that. Like, he got two points on a layup. Of course, you like it. Um, but he's, you know, so he's done a really nice job in in a lot of ways. And so you're just trying to piece it together. Jeff Green is a is a player who, at 33 years old, is you know, amazingly versatile, amazingly athletic, um, has not had a very good plus-minus career over his 13 years in the NBA, and you're trying to find a way to make it work. And thus far, his plus-minus with us hasn't been very good. So as you watch the team, those are a couple things that we're hearing from fans. What do you think the projects are? Or what we're hearing from fans pretty spot on? No, I mean, I think those are real. I, I think the one that's the most interesting is just the way the league's adapting. Um, the biggest, you know... Well, let me, let me back up. Like, our three primary lineups that we have that we play on the floor, like, so our three that have played over 100 possessions, are plus 19, plus 19, and plus 15. Right? So that's pretty good. Like, in regards to how the team was built, you know, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Royce O'Neal, Boyan Bogdanovich, Rudy Gobert, and Joe Ingles, when you have some combination of those players on the floor, we're crushing people. Yeah. And so... Now you got to make a decision. Um, 
how if those are our six primary pieces and when they're on the floor we're crushing people plus 18 plus 19 plus 15 i would guess if i ran numbers on all the lineups in the nba those are well i can tell you because i pull up cleaning the glass those are in the 94th 89th and 79th percentile there's only one of those three numbers i ever saw on a high school test score um and it wasn't the 94 or the 89 so you know if we're if we're getting that kind of performance out of the group that we wanted, you now have to make a decision. Are you breaking those groups up and putting, are you trying to play four starters at a time, three starters at a time, two starters at a time? Like, how do you want to do this? And you've got to be careful that in order to cover for the bench, you don't lose those lineups right there because that's what's winning yeah. you basketball games. So a couple things have happened. Sure, the bench isn't great, but those guys are so dominant that they're winning you basketball games. The offensive rating of these ver- of the lineups, I mean, they're just incredible. And then you add the fact that we're good defensively. So, I mean, there's some really high hopes when you suddenly look at those those six guys. And if you can get Ed Davis to give you seven, and you're set- and one other, you know, one other guy to give you eight or nine, you're you're pretty well set. So, uh, I'm not sure it's as desperate as we're making it as it feels out there. And it's certainly, you know, those are tough minutes, but pretty dominant in the other minutes. And I think you have to realize that it takes me back a little bit to Doc Rivers Clippers, where he, he would just play five starters because they were so great. Um, um, and, you know, and so <clears throat> they were so dominant that they just, you know, they played those five starters. What was it? Chris Paul, JJ Redick, um, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and somebody. It was like Luke Bamute and the interchangeable small forward, Matt Barnes. And then he would just play his five bench guys and just try to survive the other 12 minutes because they were so dominant in those 36. I kind of feel like we're not that far off that. I, I think you're right, and I think two things about that. One, can those guys sustain the 35, 36, 37 minutes a night? Uh, Joe Ingles is over 30. Mike Conley is over 30. Do you really want to have them? You know, with a deep playoff run, that'd be 100 games of that. That's asking a lot. I don't know that's a good idea. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is just survive the other 12, and I get that. But when you're giving up an 18-to-1 run, uh, you're not surviving it. You know, if you could get through those 12 minutes and you got outscored 12 to 7, I would say just live with it. That's good enough. But when you've got an 11 point lead and all of a sudden you're down four, it's like, wow, you just, that, and that's what happened in the first half of Minnesota. You've just flipped this game completely on its ear, and it happened again in the second half. Yeah, I mean, we're 29th in the league in offense in the second quarter, so that's pretty bad. Um, we're, but here's the craziest one. You ready for this? We're 29th in the league offensively in the second quarter, and we're positive. So as long as the starters, or not really the starters, because it's six guys. There's a combination of these six guys with uh, you know Joe and and Royce, and how do they use them? Um, but can those guys play those big minutes then? Because if they can, you're right. Then you just survive some of the other stuff, and you don't worry about it. But can they sustain these 35, 36 minutes a night? And Ed Davis didn't have a great vibe going early, but I think he is a valuable piece, and so things will hopefully stabilize a little bit. I mean, a lot of what is trying to figure out how you what we're doing with those backup center minutes right now without Ed Davis. David Locke joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Is this year the best thing that happened to the Warriors, even though they're just you know taking it on the chin this year? They've had a lot of guys play a lot of postseason minutes, and so as they get into the last third of their career or so, Hey, to have a year to 
get healthy, not play a lot of minutes, and get a high draft pick who will be inexpensive for a team that's capped out? Is this really setting them up for the next three years? I think so. I mean, you do have Clay coming off a pretty significant injury, and you know everyone is getting older, so you're going to have to find <clears throat> either D'Angelo Russell's the piece, or you have to use D'Angelo Russell to become something else and and find a way to uh, and rebuild your roster a little bit. So um, they were pretty smart in getting D'Angelo Russell and assuming that the draft picks wouldn't be worth a lot with the amount of talent that they have. That was a was an interesting move on their part on the backside of Kevin Durant, cost him a draft pick or two, which seems pricey unless. You kind of look at the history of 20s, and those picks aren't that expensive. Um, so I, I think, you know, I think so. I, I was really curious to see. I thought they'd be sixth or seventh in the West, and, <clears throat> and then when, and then when I was curious to see, like, so February comes or late January, and like the staff and Draymond loaded up on a regular old January night when they're looking as though they're sixth or seventh and Clay's not coming as reinforcements and like what are they really playing for? I thought it was going to be a funky transition for them. I guess they don't have to go through that now. I mean this team is truly terrible right now and, and will probably be the you know one of the worst two or three records in the NBA unless Steph comes back and plays a lot. It'll be interesting to see how they manage Steph and Draymond. I mean you just really can't give a guy a year off. It's kind of against the league rules. So I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do. David Locke, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David, good luck with all the travel coming up. We will talk to you again next week. I look forward to it. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, David.